2: Big hour of the show. Carter Bryant will be on in just a second or two. Second half of the hour, we go... Uptown New Orleans to the campus of Tulane as their camp gets started, their football camp. Gary Smith of The Advocate will talk Willie Fritz in a real big year for the Green Wave as they try to make it back to back bowl appearances. Quick text from the 812. Any reason you mention all of these players have moved around except Anthony Davis? The fear is that Zion Williamson, who is now the same 19 years old Anthony Davis was when he came to New Orleans, will disappear in six years. Stay in New Orleans for his entire career? Really very doubtful because. He'll want something bigger too? Maybe, and that's the fear, and that's why uh, I'm asking. And no, I just I was mentioning all those players, and there's a lot of them who moved around this offseason. I mean, there's, what, nine? I guess you could classify them as nine, nine, ten former all-stars that changed teams. Anthony Davis is one of them. It is the age of player mobility. But what Zion Williamson said in that interview with Complex that we had on Macklin Stern, the writer and editor who wrote that piece, He said, and this was unprompted, he wants to be in New Orleans his whole career. He wants to be like Kobe, like Dirk, guys that he looked up to. And he said before in other interviews, he doesn't want to be LeBron. He wants to be the first Zion. And his family members and those around him have said other things where I think they're very strategically positioning Zion Williamson as the anti-LeBron. I don't think this is a coincidence. Just like LeBron positioned himself as kind of the anti-Jordan. He doesn't want to be a LeBron. Doesn't want to follow in that mercenary footsteps of his. I think it's smart. I think it's really smart. But to your point, and I mentioned this last hour multiple times, I am not going to hold it against anybody when they say something just a few weeks after their 19th birthday, if they change their mind a handful of years later. I'm not going to do it. That would be naive to say the least. Let's bring on Carter Bryant to the show to talk about this. We'll talk a little Saints and Michael Thomas, LSU camp. Carter Bryant, host of the Carter Bryant Show on 107.1 FM, 1400 AM in South Arkansas. He's on Twitter at Carter CarterThePower, stand-up comic and LSU grad and fan. Carter, what's going on, bud?
3: Nothing much, Seth. And I, I have to agree with you, man. I, I just can't imagine. Every last little word that I say at the age of 19 having a major effect on just everything. Like, it's just an automatic superstar, like, top 10 buzzworthy athlete in America quote. Like, I just can't imagine saying that at 19. So... If five or six years down the road, Zion does decide to go to a different team, everyone's going to be like, oh, well, he once said this, he was 19, he was 19, of course he wants to please everybody.
2: Yeah, he does. Uh, uh, do you take any credence to what I said there, that he's positioning himself as the anti-LeBron? I mean, even his parents have talked about before the NBA draft lottery even happened, they thought New Orleans was the best destination for him. Is is that smart? Is this an active thing he's doing where, hey, I, I don't want to be LeBron, I want to be Zion?
3: Yeah. Obviously he sees the power of social media. He sees how big of a star he was at Duke. I mean, you can make an argument that he was the biggest college star of the past decade. I mean, obviously with him going to new Orleans, it's, it's a little weird. That probably wasn't his number one destination, but yeah, I could totally see him not wanting to be like LeBron and jumping into this movement that I'm going to go from team here and team there. And, Here's the thing, there's a lot of players in the NBA that kind of feel that same way, including Giannis. He said that he wants to be a Milwaukee Buck. He doesn't want to work out with anyone else. Uh, Damian Lillard is another player who's like that as well. So, some people just like to be loyal. Some people like to finish what they started. And trust me, as a a Pelican supporter, I'm happy to hear Zion say that.
2: Yeah, he did. And he also said in this article that – And again, this is unprompted, and I know you've kind of got to say this, so I take this with a grain of salt. But he also said he believes that the Pelicans, if things go right, can be a championship contender this next year. Now, maybe not championship contender, I don't think, but the more and more I think about this roster and how deep it is and the tradable pieces they have, Carter, I think that they could actually, and maybe even actually should be, a playoff team in year one on their Zion. I'm, I'm coming around to that thought that it may be a disappointment if they're not playing in the postseason.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't call it a disappointment. Set the Western Conference is so stacked. I, I just don't see a team that they're going to jump uh, outside of anyone at that seven and eight position. Obviously, you look at the top three: uh, the the Clippers, Lakers, and and Warriors. They're going to be in it. And then after that, you have a bunch of good teams right there that are going to be tough to jump. The Jazz, the Nuggets, the Blazers, who are amazing at all. Um, there's, there's three more teams. So now you have to worry about those final two slots. Then, obviously, you know, the Rockets are going to be one of those teams. I have, a, I have a hard time seeing them not make it next year. So really that eighth slot, barring injuries to any of those other teams, is what you'd have to look at. You know, one thing that really concerns me, is I'm not sure exactly what New Orleans' identity is going to be. They have so many pieces that are getting a fresh, hard, reset start. Uh, we don't know what, how Brandon England's going to play. We don't know how Lonzo is going to play. And this, to me, is the most fascinating thing about Zion Williamson. Yeah, he's this unbelievable talent, but we still don't know the best way that he could be used. Like, we only saw him at Duke really play a, a post player, put back rebounder fast break type of guy. But last year when Duke let him handle the ball, when RJ Barrett was out, they let Zion run like a point forward. And in the few games that he did, he averaged around seven to eight assists per game. So maybe that might be the best role for him as kind of like a, a point center. I, I talked about that in the, my latest video on chat sports. People could find that on my Twitter account or website, whatever, but, if he's used like that, I'm not sure if he's in the in, in the right shape for that yet or the right condition to, to play such a high-volume position. But I also think that could be the best possible scenario because unlike Seth, what he had at Duke, this Pelicans team is loaded with, with shooters. And if you have a lot of shooters, that opens up the lane. And he's also a great passer. So there's so many different ways his rookie season can go.
2: Let me ask you this to close out our Zion conversation. Give me the Carter Bryant percentage that Zion is true to what he says and he's here his entire career. What's that percentage?
3: That percentage is a coin flip. It's 50-50. I mean, you never really know. People's mind changes. and He's 19 years old and he's saying this. I'm not saying that I discredit him. I'm not saying that he's, or he's not dishonest or he's not mature for his age. It's just so much changes. I mean, I honestly believe, Seth, that Anthony Davis – for his entirety of his Pelicans career, was happy to be in New Orleans, even though he had no ties to the area, especially when Boogie Cousins was there. I I certainly saw a scenario of him staying there his entire career, but so much changed. You only have one NBA career. So I I would put it at a coin flip, just like any other situation. And I put it at a coin flip for Zion to win Rookie of the Year this year. So um, there's just so much out there. I do believe Zion Williamson will be a perennial all-star in the NBA. We just don't know what type of player he's going to be.
2: Hey, so you mentioned Anthony Davis there. I am curious because I know that you and, and uh, T-Bob and our other uh, mutual friends have been big Anthony Davis guys. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. And I'm, I'm really saying before, like you just mentioned, before this whole mess happened, and and I've never really begrudged him for leaving. Getting a little pushback now from a lot of people locally who are pointing out he never said goodbye to the city. No newspaper ad, no billboard, no even Instagram posts. you make anything of that?
3: I make a lot of that, Seth. And I think what that tells us is that Anthony Davis isn't a leader. I mean, that's just – I just don't think that was ever his thing. You know, look at the way Rich Paul and LeBron manipulated him. All the way down to what he wore on his body, Seth. That goes to show you <laughs> right. this entire situation. He was pushed around. Now, listen, listen, Seth. That doesn't mean he's a bad person. I'm with you. That, that's not, yeah. And a lot of people will take him not saying goodbye to the city as him being a bad person. He's not. There was never any off the court issues. He always played hard. I don't think he ever really took games or plays off. It's just not his personality um when when tough situations arises such as this one he was embarrassed he saw how big of a train wreck the situation was last year the way he handled it was an absolute dumpster fire but he ended up getting what he wanted he ended up getting what rich paul and lebron wanted and the end result happened the the ends justified the means for him but i just think that when you're a little thin skin and you're not a leader and you have to face people in the in in times of adversity such as this, he kind of shrunk. He 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 really, he really just kind of faded off to the wayside, and and that's fine. Some people are like that. For me, that's not how I would have handled it. I would have said, "Thank you, New Orleans, thanks for everything." And eventually, I do think he's going to say that. But now, when the iron is still a little bit hot, I could certainly see him fear. Certainly see him fearing talking to people, talking to New Orleans, uh, speaking out, speaking about this directly because it was so embarrassing for
2: him. Yeah, it would be the ultimate Anthony Davis reactionary move if he finally does post something or take out an ad uh, right. after all after all the pushback. We're talking to Carter Bryant. He's in for his weekly spot with us, host of the Carter Bryant Show on 107.1 FM and 1400 AM in South Arkansas. You've got to follow him on Twitter, at CarterThePower. Let's get to Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas now officially the highest – well, I guess not officially because the ink isn't on paper yet, but is going to be the highest-paid receiver in the National Football League – he gets a five-year extension, $100 million, $20 million a year, $61 million guaranteed. Uh, Carter, the dude, got paid, and I've always said he deserved to get paid, regardless of my front office questions about this.
3: Yeah, so I will say this, Seth, and this is why I love your show so much. Not a lot of people in the city where they actually cover the team would talk about this and very openly like you have and you've been doing this for months speaking out about is it smart to pay a wide receiver so much more than 10 percent of your actual cap and a lot of the stuff that you've sent out has been very valid points such as that belichick tweet you just had a minute ago i will say this though that michael thomas last year now before the, the famous pass interference call he did get open, and if Drew Brees would have thrown a half-decent ball, it would have been an easy first down and an easy game-winning field goal for the Saints to win the Super Bowl.
2: You're talking about back. the play right that before that, right?
3: Yes, yes. I think, I think it was a play before or, or, or two plays before. He ran a slant route, got a lot of separation, and, and Drew just threw the ball into the ground. It was a bad throw. Um you look at Michael Thomas and what he's done in the playoffs, he's been excellent in the biggest moments for the Saints as well. Uh, go back to that Rams game last year at home, the one that actually won, he sealed that game for him. You know, he, he's just an elite wide receiver. Uh, pro football focus, the highest grade for any receiver in his first three years. He's not a speed receiver. That's not going to affect, even if he loses a step. I just see a player like Julio Jones. I see a guy that's just not going to drop off anytime soon. So I think the money's well spent. Obviously, what you said about wide receivers, those are very valid points. But Michael Thomas is an all-time great talent. I I, I think when we look at the great receivers, he's a mix of a Chris Carter along with, um, I don't know, m- maybe a Randy Moss for some deep play abilities. I just see him as a long-time New Orleans Saint. And I think he's a, a football player that can make plays with anybody at quarterback. And you should not think that, but after seeing what he's done and his whole body of work, he really is that good.
2: Well, you're a great person to ask this then, and you mentioned it. So let's, let's play a little role play here because you, we've talked about okay. this for months, like you mentioned. you got to pay the guy is where you are. So I want you to pretend, and this is the tweet you reference. Let's play a little role play. I'm Bill Belichick. You and I are having a one-on-one conversation. You say you got to pay Michael Thomas. I say, oh, that's foolish, and my rings are clanging, the six rings that I have. What do you tell me in that? If I'm Bill Belichick, who's, you know, he's Bill, six titles, he's done it one way, not paying a guy 10% plus of the salary cap, at wide receiver not even close to it, what's your response?
3: My response is, you make a good point, Bill, and you do have that one as <laughs> And idea. But, but here's, here's something else, that Bill Belichick is also the greatest defensive mind and game strategist of all time, and – not many coaches are that, and that's not an knock on Sean Payton because he's an offensive guy anyway. But you know that that's that's different. Belichick coaches in a different way. You know, for Sean Payton's offense to work, he needs playmakers. I just, I mean, I am a little worried about the other Saints wide receivers. We all saw the Cameron Meredith thing was 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 put into a coffin recently. So you're wondering, you know. Who else was going to step up outside of Michael Thomas? He needed to get that guy the camp as soon as possible. So, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a great point. But for me, simply watching him over the years make big catches and big moments. And also, the NFL is a red zone league. Can you score touchdowns instead of field goals? I just don't know if I would take any wide receiver in the NFL in the red zone outside of Michael Thomas. That's why you pay in the
2: big bucks. It's Carter Bryant, host of the Carter Bryant Show at Carter the Power. We've got to touch on Tiger Football Camp, LSU football, Carters. They open yeah. up, and, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, the more that I hear and read the real good national college football analysts who are in tune every corner of the country, the more I see that LSU is becoming not one of, but the dark horse candidate for a lot of these guys and gals to win a national championship. Are you buying the
3: hype here? I am. I, I'm sticking with what I told you. I mean, I, I think this is a college football playoff team. I I love what they have on the offensive line. I like what they have at quarterback. LSU's got a top five receiver core in the country defensively, probably a top five defense. You know, you, you're you're gonna lose a game on the road against Alabama. That's just not a that's just not a winnable game. I mean it is winnable, but you're just not gonna win that one. Anyway, you look at all the other games, if you get the coin flip game to go your way at Texas, Florida, Auburn, Texas A&M at the end of the year, that's a strong enough schedule to get in, even in a conference loss set. I think this is going to be a situation where Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. They go undefeated. They get the one seed. And guess what? Because we love narratives. We have a rematch, <laughs> number one Alabama versus number four LSU in the playoff. I, I don't really believe and buying into any of the teams in the Big Ten. I, the Pac-12 is still down. The Big 12, I mean, do we really think Jalen Hurts is going to be as effective as the last two quarterbacks? And then obviously Clemson is going to take up one of those slots. So I see two slots outside of Clemson and Alabama that are wide open. I see all the other conference elites taking a step back, which opens up the door for LSU to take one of those slots. And uh, I, I think this is it. I, I think this is their year. They get some good breaks at home, and I think the Tigers are going to the playoff for the first time.
2: How's your stuff with chat sports going, man? I know you've been doing this, what, a couple of months now?
3: Yeah, man, it's, it's great. Man. I'm dropping Pelicans videos one week, Saints videos one and uh, another, and you can – Watch them all, com. You know, what's funny is when, when you get on a, a huge YouTube channel like that, you get the direct comments. Now, you're, I, I've seen it. I, I've been in the WWL studio before. I see the text line. I see some of the stuff that you guys get. It's absolutely visceral and nasty. <laughs> it, it comes nothing close to to what I get on YouTube and, and the comments that I get there. Um, I've been called a nerdy, chubby Carlton uh, a, a username. I hope I don't get in trouble for this. Lazy titty boy rhinoceros uh, has been a, a, a regular commentator that has just <laughs> destroyed me. What, the, I, I hope, what is what in the world? Yeah, that's that's YouTube for you, man. When You start getting those YouTube videos. That was a guy's username. It was lazy. Uh, I won't say it again. I, I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how razor clean this is, but it was lazy titty boy rhinoceros. Oh whether the guy that's commented on, on my videos before, trust me, I, I was like, dude, I'm in honor that your creative mind came up with that name. Like, that <laughs> is just, that is just absolutely fantastic. I've been heckled at comedy shows plenty of times, plenty of times. Hey, what are you? We don't know what you are. Tell us your race. I've, I've been told, I've been, I've heard anything, but there's nothing like Seth, the anonymous YouTube commenter. There's nothing quite like that, I'm still getting
2: adjusted to that yeah you know i don't know we're gonna to have to have a show or i don't know a video or something when you and i see each other again we'll just go through mean comments i will tell you this carter and, and we're up against kind of the clock here but i kind of went through the right, same right. thing with this you kind of saw me on twitter with the the lsu funding debate and all i was saying was oh. you know i just want academics to be funded like athletics and i got called the most nasty vulgar stuff yeah. i have ever been called in my life bro it was crazy was <laughs>
3: Script. Oh, man. Why education? Education doesn't matter.
2: Right. <laughs> that's that's kind of the gist that I got. He's Carter Bryant, host of the Carter Bryant Show, 1071 FM, 1400 AM in South Arkansas every day at Carter the Power on Twitter. Carter, appreciate the extended time today. We'll do it again next week. Yes, sir. All right. There he goes. We're going to take your calls when we come back. 504 260 1870. Yeah, don't be vulgar and nasty. <laughs> <laughs> we had enough of that. 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. And your chance to sound off on the Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Do you believe Zion Williamson when he says he wants to play his whole career with the Pelicans? Cast your vote, WWL.com, radio.com app. Back after this. If you're on hold, stay there. I want to get all your comments. But first, let's bring on in Gary Smith, who covers Tulane football for TheWaveReport.com, also a contributor to The Advocate, and NOLA.com. as Tulane Camps gets set to uh, open up. Gary, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you, man?
1: I'm glad to be on the show. Yep, Tulane had their opening practice this morning, um, and and I, I've been covering the team directly for for eight years, and I, I've never seen a team as confident as as this group is this year, from the coaches down to the players.
2: Well, it's good to hear you say that because it seems like such a massive year. And I know every year, you know, coaches will say, "Oh, this is a big year yeah. for us," but but coming sure. off that bowl season and to continue the momentum there, if they don't want to go back to the same old Tulane. You know, go five and seven, miss uh, miss the postseason. Yep. It seems like a pretty darn big year, Gary.
1: Yeah, and, and Willie Fritz admits it. Um, that he, he point he he well knows Tulane's history. That that Tulane has only been to back to back bowls once in its history, and that war hasn't been to back to back bowls since 1979 and 1980, and hasn't ever won back to back bowls in consecutive years. He understands that, and, he, and and that Tulane has only had six winning seasons in the last 37 years. But when you look at this team, uh, it, a it tied for the division championship in the AAC West last year at five and three with Memphis and Houston, and blew out Memphis, which which represented the, the division in the AAC championship game. And Tulane returned eight defensive starters, eight of its top nine defensive linemen, its top four running backs, its starting quarterback, a receiver who almost had a thousand yards, uh, got a transfer grad transfer from Oklahoma State with 167 career catches. If a team with more tradition than Tulane had all of those parts back, there'd be a lot of people touting them as a real legitimate contender to win the conference championship. That's not the case with Tulane. People are talking about him as a dark horse because history comes into play. (laughs) Tulane hasn't won a championship, and and I understand that, but there's a lot of parts on this team to be optimistic about. It's not just people, because everybody's optimistic before the year starts, but Tulane actually has the concrete – reasons to be confident. It's a team that was two and five last year and then won five out of its last six games and returning almost, almost everybody. And, and, and so there's reason for these guys to be confident. It's not just spouting empty, you know, cliches at this time. Yeah.
2: Isn't it weird how prestige and cachet uh, cloud all these supposedly objective Mm -hmm. preseason polls and opinions? I mean, just an analogy, my alma mater, Gary, is Washington State University. I saw Sports Mm -hmm. Illustrated tweet out something. The last seven years under Mike Leach, every single year, they have outperformed their their, their preseason media poll. And maybe Tulane's going to go through something here. It's so funny. We're supposed to be objective, but it's not.
1: It is. It, like, like Tulane, and I did not have a vote at the uh, AAC Media Days, but there were 30 people who had votes, and Tulane got zero votes to, to win the AAC West. I, I'm, I'm not saying Tulane is going to win it. I'm just saying that if Tulane had a little more cachet, and, and tradition in the past with all of those people returning and the way it ended last season, it would have gotten several votes at least to, uh, to, to win the division, seeing as how it tied for the division championship last year anyway.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and on the back of that, all the guys coming back, you wrote a, a piece yesterday mm-hmm. talking about, well, they're, they're bringing in new stock to, to bolster yeah. around that. All the grad mm-hmm. transfers that Willie Fritz has brought yeah. in. Right.
1: Yeah, it's a huge deal. I mean, I obviously yeah, uh, you, you start with Justin McMillan, who came in, in um, right before the season last year, and uh, and and that that's a tough assignment right there. He, he comes in five days before the season ends up starting. Yeah, he, he had a line today when when he threw his first touchdown pass against Memphis last year. He threw it to Darnell Mooney. He didn't even know Darnell Mooney's name <laughs> when Darnell Mooney crossed the goal line. He was still just trying to learn what the plays were and what was going on. He's in his second year. Then they get Jalen um, McCleskey, the receiver from, from Oklahoma State, who wanted to come play for his dad, who's an assistant. And this guy was a four star recruit coming out of high school who was very productive for a Big 12 school. Then they get an Ivy Leaguer and Christian to come in he's a three-year starter um and 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 he helps Tulane at two positions because he's taken over at center and he's allowed Jesuit product Corey Dublin to go back to guard Corey Dublin started at guard as a true freshman and then moved to center last year but he's better at guard than he is at center so if Montana plays well that's helping Tulane at two spots at once on, on on the on the offensive line and then they've got three other guys coming in um, that may not start but should should be contributors because they know how good they can be this year and and, and it's a huge deal. Uh, it, this this grad transfer um, gravy train has really helped Tulane because they basically only lost one guy to it in the time that Willie Fritz has been here and they they've gained seven seven guys in in, in in that deal and and I think it will make a, it it could be the the difference between playing in the AAC championship game and not for Tulane this
2: year. We're chatting with Gary Smith, who covers Tulane for The Advocate and TheWaveReport.com. He's on Twitter at Gare Smith, G-U-E-R Smith. Let's go back to Justin McMillan. He was mm-hmm. kind of a, a shot in the arm for this program late in the season yeah. after Jonathan Banks' problems. Is he mm-hmm. fully acclimated now to this offense? Is he going to be kind of the guy that we saw even in the in training camp in camp for LSU last year who was really battling Joe Burrow for the starting yeah.
1: job? right he, he he should be um i <laughs> it, it, it it's hard to say for sure because i mean he, he wasn't always great last year he made he made some big plays but but how how could he possibly have been great when you, when you get thrown into a system right before the season started he did throw he had a few bad picks in games that, that um, almost turned the navy game around from a win when they had a huge lead to to an almost loss but he made plays with both his feet and his arms and yeah he's that he, now he does have Yet again, another offensive coordinator. He's had a different offensive coordinator in every year of his college football career. Um, um, Tulane brought in Will Hall this year, but he did have all of spring practice w- with Will Hall to, to, to go through. And you, you just got to believe that he should be a better quarterback this year than he, than he was last year. And, and, and he went five and one as a starter last year. So, yeah, I mean, he only completed about 51% of his passes. That number needs to go up. And, again, with the familiarity he has with his teammates that he didn't have last year, um, that should happen this year. And I, I think he's the key. I think if he plays great, Tulane really is a championship contending team that that could that has a real good chance to play in the AAC championship game. If he plays a little inconsistent, it probably won't happen.
2: Now we're all going to be watching what happens uptown New Orleans. Uh, I'll end with this, Gary. Um, everything that happened the last couple of weeks over at LSU, the one thing that it did or one of the things it did was shine the spotlight on how many people are willing to give to that football program to improve mm-hmm. the facilities, among many other things, sure. of course. Tulane, with the hype around this team, what they're seeing Willie Fritz doing, is that starting to matriculate its way to the alumni and the boosters for Tulane? It is, is that happening?
1: It's going to take a while uh, on that front, and we're comparing apples to oranges sure. there sure. to some extent. But But it's interesting. Willie Fritz yesterday, he pointed out, he likes the situation at Tulane now, just because all of their facilities are in the same place. He, he's coached a lot of places where the academic support is on one side of campus. <laughs> Sometimes the weight room is, is is a little trek, practice fields are a little trek. He loves the fact that every single um, facility at Tulane is right there at the Wilson Center and and right next to Yolman Stadium. He says it's helped the coaches. He says. He says sometimes coaches don't see their players that often. He sees them all year long four or five times a day because they're always passing his office, um, going, going to, to just for academics, whatever, uh, um, around there. And uh, Tulane doesn't have to compete with the those SEC schools that LSU is trying to compete with on that front. But, but in terms of just alumni support, crowd support, all of that stuff, it takes consistent winning. And Tulane for so long has been a consistent loser uh, that's that's what Willie Fritz wants to change. Like like you said, he said, he Tulane went six and six last year, peaked into a bowl game, won the bowl game. That was a great accomplishment for Tulane. But Willie Fritz, is, that's not why he came to Tulane. He, that that to him is the absolute minimum. He 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 wants he wants to have that program that's a consistent bowl team every year, which we haven't really seen from Tulane ever. And if if he sticks around and 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 continues recruiting like he like he's been recruiting Tulane's ranked in the top 50 in the country right now by by rivals and I think um, 24-7 sports, it can happen.
2: He's Gary Smith. He covers Tulane football for TheWaveReport.com, also a contributor to The Advocate. Follow his work there and also on Twitter at Gary Smith. Gary, I always appreciate the chats, and I know we'll talk to you a lot more as the season progresses. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate
2: it. You bet. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get to your phone calls on Michael Thomas on Zion Williamson and the Pelicans and sports libs still to come before the show wraps up. It's the last lap on WWL straight to the phone lines. We go, Jimmy and Gretna wants to talk some Pelicans. I'm sure with us, Jimmy, what's going on tonight. Hey, how's it going, my man. Hey, It's good, Jimmy. What about you?
4: Yeah, hey, good, man. I like the information about Tulane football. Um, I'm hopeful, man. I, I went to a couple games last year, and if McMillan stays healthy, I think they can win 10 games. Um, you know, I, I had a couple and kind of jumping from subject to subject because I haven't called in a while. I, I do still listen a lot. Um, I, I like your show. It's very informative. Um, Darius Miller, I wanted to get your take on that re-signing. I just kind of felt that was a stretch. I really like the fact we moved on with guys like Ian Clark. Diallo, I was hopeful with the Pelicans this past year with uh, – the issues we are having, as much time as he got on the court, he was going to improve. I didn't see that. I'm okay with us moving forward without him. But I'm just kind of flabbergasted and bewildered with the idea of us investing in Darius Miller. I don't know if that's a trade down the road. I've heard rumors we're going to trade Brandon Ingram. I know he doesn't smile much, Steph. It's a big <laughs> joke. It's one big meme online that you
2: know he just doesn't want to be here no it, no no you know? I'm, I'm just gonna I'm going to shut that down right away I saw that by I think it was Yahoo Sports who tweeted that out but if you look at the other photos from that press conference Brandon Ingram has a big smile on his face so they picked and choose uh, the one instance where Brandon Ingram wasn't smiling I guess because it fit their narrative but Brandon Ingram um, wants to be here and and look he's going into restricted free agency Uh, Maybe they have a tradable asset, but I think he's a big part of this future. As far as Darius Miller, this is how I would just uh, ask you to look at it. Yeah, $7.25 million this year for Darius Miller seems like a lot. But remember, they're not really expected to contend for championships this year. And he's going to be off the books next year. And he yeah. gives you that depth at the three. You can play the two, he can play the maybe more the three, depending on how small they go, maybe even the four. But yeah, I think he gives you depth, and I don't mind him uh, coming back at all. Remember, he's a guy who shot a couple of seasons ago, what, 42% from three?
4: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm hopeful. I'm hopefully improves. I'm kind of on defense on it. But uh, you know, look, as far as the Saints, uh, you know, we had to pay Thomas. I'm fine with that. Um, you know, uh, but I wanted to know. I, you know, have got, you got your finger on the pulse of things with this. The open practices. I haven't been to one yet. I know they have one Sunday mm-hmm. at Yeoman. Do you need a ticket for that? No, and not what
2: the Yeoman about one. The
4: other, the other event, you need a ticket for, and that's all weekend, correct? At, in Metairie, or is that incorrect?
2: Uh, yeah, you're talking about the Saturday, September seventh and September eighth, the Hudat Nation Rally and Music Festival. Uh, you need to go to hudatnationevents.com. You get all the information there. I don't believe you need a ticket to get in there, but check that. Is, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Joey, uh, he actually went um, there. So, Joey, really appreciate the call. But on Sunday, uh, you might check saints.com on this, but I'm pretty sure that they have told us that. Uh Yolmen is actually open on Sunday because they're not going to fill that place up, let's be honest. They're not going to get, you know, 25,000 people in there. It'd be cool if they did. That'd be a heck of a practice. I'd love to see that. But that's 7 and 9 and just to piggyback off of that, it is our coverage of Black and Gold Fan Fest at tulane Jewelman Stadium on Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Zach Streif, Deuce McAllister. They're going to call the scrimmage on WWL.com with Bobby Hebert, who will be on the sidelines. Christian Garrick, Steve Geller, and myself. We will be there in attendance also. Uh, you can get your Saints fix from us here, your Flagship station for the New Orleans Saints, AMFM.com and also on the WWL radio app. Let's go back to the phones. Joey and Pearl River. What's up, Joey?
0: Hey, Seth, thanks for taking my call, man. You bet. How's Great it going? Great tonight. Thanks. Oh, enjoyed it. Enjoying it. Listen, um, the role play that, that you and uh, Carter were playing as far as, you know, being Belichick and, and, and paying Michael Thomas that money and stuff, I would have – I was <laughs> I was clamoring over here. <laughs> man, couldn't you have asked me <laughs> that question. Yeah. Because it would have been going back at you saying, well, Bill, I've got a question for you. How many wide receivers – not rental receivers like, uh, uh, you know, you've had in your tenure that, that have played just a couple of years that you got from somebody else. But how many drafted players have you had that will make the Hall of Fame that that would have garnered the the, the attention of, of being paid such a hefty check? I mean – That wide receiver? Him, I'm – Really, at any position, when you stop and think about it, at, uh, at besides Belichick, besides Brady, and besides maybe Gronk, uh, how about Falk from LSU? Maybe no, I don't maybe. think he's a he Hall might, of Fame guy. You'd probably have strength.
2: to go. You probably have to go to the defensive side. Maybe Willie McGinnis, strat. I believe he was drafted and played his his career there. Uh, Mike Vrabel, maybe like a fringe guy. I don't, I don't think he'd be there. And well, like Rob Gronkowski certainly is a Hall of Famer on the offensive side. So there's guys there, um, but. I'm-
0: I see, like, Teddy Bruschi and stuff maybe making the New England Patriots Hall of Fame at the stadium, but, you know, I mean, who have they really had? I mean, that's just, you know, Belichick's nature. That's the way he builds a team. And you can't knock him for it because, you know, the proof's in the pudding.
2: Well, and that's my – I and, guess that's my – Joey, that's, I guess that's my point is not that every single thing that the Patriots and Bill Belichick do we need to copy – in whatever franchise you root for here in New Orleans, if you're a Saints fan. I'm not saying that at all. They're unique in their own ways. But I'm just saying take a little inspiration from what they do. You can't just, in my mind, you can't just, like, wave your hand and dismiss, well, yeah, yeah, they got Tom and Bill over there. So even though they're the most brutal organization when it comes to the salary cap and how they handle that and the most disloyal (laughs) uh, franchise when it comes to, to keeping their own guys who might be wanting to get overpaid, I don't think you can just hand wave that away. I think that correlates to them winning six championships and making what? nine Super Bowls.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. They have not been, even the ones they lost weren't disappointments, you know, since Belichick has been there. And the other thing about Zion, about him, you know, talking, um, saying stuff, yeah, like a 19 year old, but you know, he is a well, you know, his, you know, seeing how his parents are and stuff. He is a well uh, uh, grounded kid coming out of college, even though he was one and done. And um, he has been spending a lot of time with, you know, say with Drew, because you saw him together before the ESPYs and stuff like that on ESPN. But um, look at this. Look at New Orleans and the wreck it was in when Drew came to town and the way everybody, the community, you know, the region has has taken, you know, Drew and and his family under wing, so to speak. And and. I mean, it's just I think it's just the nature of you know, and the culture of the of the the people of the town because it's it's got like a small even though it's a big city, it's got a small town feel. You know, everybody is is for the most part friendly with one another and, and you know, it's just our nature I guess, but maybe that's you know, the type of culture that Zion hasn't been uh, privileged to yet and and, and it has put quite an impression on the young man.
2: Yeah, you I'm, know? yeah, no, I get you, Joey. It's uh, Look, these are all really good points uh, that you make, and I am hopeful that Zion will play his entire career here. I'm hopeful, but, again, I'm not going to hold it against him if he changes his mind in a handful of years. Look, I'm, I've been on the radio when this NFL Top 100 has been released. When I went to NFL.com, they have Antonio Brown at the number two spot, but then I see a bunch of people on Twitter saying, no, is actually Drew Brees at the number two spot? I, look, I'm just – reading what they have on the NFL top 100 players of 2019 and online they have Antonio Brown receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers at number two but was it actually Drew because they also have Antonio Brown at number seven maybe, maybe that's just a mistake on NFL.com uh, Aaron Donald is number one and in fact I would have voted for Aaron Donald at number one also back with Sports Libs moment is end to wrap up the show on the last lap yeah we found it out it was a, it was a mistake by NFL.com come on NFL.com they have Antonio Brown at number seven, and Antonio Brown's clone, I guess, at number two on the NFL Top 100. Actually, supposed to be Drew Brees at number two. So there you go. Let's play a little sports libs. Logan Falgu, our engineer and producer behind the glass. What you got for us tonight?
5: Uh, you know, I got our same old, same old. You know, our five questions here. So I'm gonna just jump right in, okay?
2: All right, let's do it. Five questions, Mad Lib style. We fill in the blank. You can play along at WWL.com.
5: All right, starting us up here, we have. Blank is what I'm most excited for in this upcoming Pelican season.
2: I will say, you know what? Honestly, and Zion's the easy answer, Lonzo Ball running this offense. I want to see Lonzo Ball finally in an up-tempo system that I think he's going to flourish in. So Lonzo Ball, even more maybe than Zion Williamson right now because I think I know what I have with Zion. I don't know what I have with Lonzo, so that's what I'm excited for.
5: All right, next up here we have... I can't wait for the Saints to face blank this season.
2: It's got to be the Rams. Rams early on in Los Angeles, revenge game on the mine. No doubt about it, the L.A. Rams. Bring them on.
5: Next up we have LSU football really need to blank this season.
2: I don't even think it's beat Alabama. Alabama. They really need to beat Texas. If they beat Texas, I think everything else is going to line up for them. This is all about Texas early on. Yes, it'll be about Alabama later, but everything they're doing right now, everything that may happen after that, will depend on what happens against Texas. So LSU really needs to beat Texas, or you could be looking at a you know Wisconsin redo with what happened in Les Miles' final season.
5: LSU basketball will blank this season.
2: be sent a notification of violation from the ncaa i think it's going to happen i'd be surprised if it didn't happen somewhere along the line whether that's level one two or three i think it's going to happen
5: all right and last one up here we have the biggest wild card on the pelicans roster would
2: be blank what they do with each Moore? they're going to trade him certainly a tradable asset a lot of teams would like a guy who can play the three, a little bit of the two, and shoot the three at a 40% clip. I want to know what they do with him. Because, you well, know, if they're in contention, maybe. But, but even then, they're so deep. Like, where's he, when's he going to get playing time? I mean, they're 15 deep right now. If you take away the rookies and some of the periphery, you're still 10 deep in that rotation. And Moore's a little undersized if Brandon Ingram is healthy. I don't know. So I would say, what do they do with each Moore? Are they going to keep him? Are they going to trade him? I'm sure they've dangled him. I don't know. All right, and that's it. All right, that's that's sports libs for tonight. You can text us eight seventy eight seventy, still have a couple of minutes to do that to play along. Let's take a final look at our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL dot app. Zion says he wants to play his whole career with the Pelicans. Do you believe him? Fifty eight percent saying yes and forty two percent are saying no, thanks to everybody who voted on that poll. Thanks to all of our guests tonight. Macklin Stern, Mike Triplett, Brooks Cabina, Gary Smith, Carter Bryant. Full show for you. Talked about Michael Thomas's contract, the Zion Williamson, what he just said there, saying he wants to play in an article with Complex, the Pelicans, his whole career. Previewed both Tulane and LSU's camps. It's been a great show, which reminds me to tell you, if you haven't checked out the podcast version of the show, you can get it on the go. WWL.com, You can get it on the radio.com app. You can also... Grab it an Apple Podcast if you have an iPhone. Today's player of the day, of course, Michael Thomas. Who's going places? Michael Thomas, brought to you by Toyota Dealers, Let's Go Places. Also, today's Saints training camp interviews and prime cuts have been brought to you by the Sound Banking of First American Bank a banking tradition since 1910. Thanks to Logan Falgu, behind the glass, Diane Newman, our program director, Todd Manessus, our assistant program director, Helen Santani, our producer during the day, also Tim Zimmer for booking the show. He runs the morning show now. And all of you for listening. Tomorrow, back with oh, Michael Thomas might be out there at Saints Camp, so stay tuned for that. We'll have it all for you at WWL.com and the Radio.com app. I'm Seth Dunlap. Give me a follow on Twitter at Seth Dunlap. We keep the conversation going there. And right now, I'll hand it off to Beyond Reality Radio. And like I do every day, our moment is in. Here's a little Bobby Abear on why Michael Thomas got paid just what he should.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.